Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook, and now live on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit and YouTube search for Pride of Detroit as we come to you every week with the Pride of Detroit POD cast with all those places we told you. Download the podcast, the POD cast from Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, wherever you get podcasts, it's there. It's ready for you. And as always, live. And I am Chris Perfett, your adequate host at and the producer of the Pride of Detroit POD cast at Chris Perfett on Twitter. The titles change. The man stays the same. And we're going to bring you the best one plus hours of Lions talk you're going to find anywhere. And as always with me is the fearless leader and the editor in chief, the EIC of Pride of Detroit, Jeremy Reisman, the fearless mustache. Hello, oh, Jeremy. Almost escaped the intro without the mustache. No, no, no. The, the it's mu- part of me now, I guess. Although it might not be. It might not mm. be anymore. We'll see. We have some we have some news coming about that. We have some news coming about that. You have time, ladies and gentlemen, to try to save the stash if you're watching live on Twitch. And as always, the third man, the man, senior editor, Ryan Matthews. Back is the mother at Ryan underscore P-O-D. Ryan, how we doing, buddy? I've, I feel like I belong to an entirely different company. Why is that? All these official titles that are being thrown around. I and know, you're I, doing I, it all. You're doing it all correctly, too. So, I mean, like, who who is this new Chris? <laughs> well, who is this new Chris is someone who's decked out in Tiger's gear because on Thursday, it's opening day, baby. The Tigers are back. I don't know if it's good again, but they're back. I may have taken... I, I, think I, was be, say, uh, I, I may I may have taken the over at 67 and a half wins. I don't hey, know. OK, hey, that is actually a good bet. Props to Bovada King 69. That is actually a fairly sound futures bet. I like it. Yeah, it'll keep things entertaining for a month, I would say. The Detroit Tigers they can't be <laughs> that bad, can they? <laughs> hey, it's like the, I like that's that. the tagline for all Detroit sports. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, speaking of another team that can't be that bad, the Detroit Lions. <laughs> Uh, real quick before we get on there one more piece of housekeeping um, Jeremy mentioned the mustache so I, I if you're watching on Twitch he'll he'll say something about that during a break I'm sure uh, one more bit of news though ESPN reporter Mike Rothstein longtime friend of the POD cast he has posted today that he is moving on he is joining the ESPN beat on the Atlanta Falcons uh, starting, I think, in like a week or two, Jeremy, or next Something month. Like that. Yeah, his last yeah. day with the with the Lions was was this week. So he he is 
officially done with the Lions beat. Moving on uh, to Atlanta Falcons beat. Has some big shoes to fill over there. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. it's I, I know I know I know most people know Mike Rothstein for some abrasive questions, I guess, in, in press conferences and, and some certain <laughs> feuds with with head coaches and things like that. But uh, the part that you didn't see behind the scenes, the guy that showed up every day to work and worked his butt off and and spent, you know, spent every minute in the locker room doing something productive, which is more than I could say. Um, he he. He was a, a good person to have on the speed. That's all I wanted to say. Yeah, and he's been fantastic. Uh, and he is a friend of the podcast. He's a joy when we have him on. He's genuinely one of my favorite people on Twitter. I'm already seeing him posting about the Falcons. And I intend to keep following him. And uh, yeah, we wish him nothing but the best in Atlanta. And one more bit of Mike news, but I'm going to save that as a tease for the end of the podcast. You're going to have to listen to the end of the podcast about what else is going on with Mike. But... We move on and we begin the show. Let's get into it. Uh, last, I think we met. Actually, it didn't turn into a podcast. I, I, I didn't actually post it on the podcast feed. I probably should have. But myself, Jeremy and Eric Schlitz, the uh, managing editor of Friday Detroit, all jumped in on Twitch. I believe it was Wednesday. And we had a uh, we had a powwow about the Jared Goff contract restructure, where Jared Goff is now locked into uh, the, the Lions are now locked into a few more years of Jared Goff, at least when it comes to the cap. And uh, there's been some consternation, scub, and people concerned about that. We addressed all of that, and Jeremy had us play buy or sell in a lot of different parts of that conversation. So. Uh, I feel like we should, if you guys have any final points to bring up about Jared Goff's contract, I think now is the time before we just close the book on this entirely. Yeah, uh, look, I, Ryan, if you haven't gotten takes, Jeremy, if you still have some <laughs> something to discharge, let's hear it. I, I was going to toss it to Ryan because he was one that, you know, I think, I think you warmed to the idea as, you know, maybe the financial situation became more clear, but you were one that was kind of not too enthusiastic about the that potentially happening. So I'm just kind of curious where you're at with it. Yeah, initially, the thing with the Jared Goff restructure was it it locked you in. And I didn't want to necessarily be locked into Jared Goff because it felt like that wasn't where the Lions needed to take him. They they didn't need to add additional years where they could they could keep him. They needed to keep the they need to keep their options open. And I think that's something that they've done with all of their other other free agent signings this offseason is that they're all like one year deals. Uh, they're yeah. all on like prove it contracts. And that really opens up their, you know, their options and their uh, ability to, you know, restructure their, their roster and restructuring Jared Goff's contract. Just definitely it, um, it ran contrary to that. And then the rest of the offs. And, and, well, then I should say that the offseason started to take shape. And it started to become more of a necessity than something that you could avoid doing if you wanted to field a competitive team in 2021. And there's there's the snag, right? Is that a lot of people will think, well, you didn't want to be competitive in 2021. There's no way that you're going to hire people like Dan Campbell and you're going to hire the rest of that coaching staff and you're going to bring in a quarterback like Jared Goff because the Lions had options to to take other to take other deals that didn't include taking a quarterback like Jared Goff back in return. But guess what? The Lions are going to they're going to try to win football games in 2021. And I I think in in order for the Lions to to do that, 
they needed the cap space and it doesn't lock you into Jared Goff in the way that I kind of thought it would in the beginning. So I've, I've grown a little bit warmer to the idea of, of the, you know, of the restructure just because of cap constraints and, you know, the, the direction of this team for this year. Yeah, I agree with you there because I think we talked about it, Jeremy. It's only about it would only be about ten million dollars in dead cap if they do cut him at some point. And guess what? The Lions right now are dealing with about twenty million when it comes to Matt Stafford. Right. So it's not well, yeah. that big. And then I agree with you, Ryan, in that like I I I went on a rant during that that stream that tanking is different in the NFL because you want to get more picks. Like your position in the first round really shouldn't matter as much. And you'd lose a lot more by just making your roster crap. It's just, it's harder to dig out of it. Yeah. And I mean, the, the lines are still definitely taking their lumps this year. They're definitely yeah. putting themselves in a tough position by, you know, cutting seven of the eight guys that we labeled as, as cap casualties, taking over $40 million in dead cap this year. And so they're, they are kind of towing both lines. And I think that's probably what we should have expected because when you're building a culture around, you know, positivity and, and everyone working together. The worst thing I think you can do is start it off with, you know, a, a one in 16 season or something like that and, and lose, you know, lose the message in your very first year taking over. So I think it all makes sense. It was an unnecessary evil. And, and like Chris said, it, it's a $10 million cap hit if you get out after two years. And that was probably the exit point anyway. So it's costing you an extra 10 million in 2023 and an extra 5 million next year. I'm also gonna I'm also gonna keep beating this drum about hey what if Jared Goff is actually like better yeah than I mean that's the that's the one thing we also have like everyone's just assuming he's gone after two years there's a chance he's actually kind of good I mean he did take a team to a Super Bowl and yes it it wasn't just him and yes Sean McVay probably deserves a bunch of credit for that and yes we can't ignore the past two years after that but it's kind of there there's a precedent here you can win with Jared Goff so maybe they will yeah maybe they will. Yeah, and why is it all like Jared Goff's fault that it fell apart in LA, but all Sean McVay's uh, fault that they got to a Super Bowl? How's that work? Good question. Oh. Thanks, Ryan. No, that's uh, yeah. It's it's interesting how it's panned out. So we'll have to see what's all going to happen afterwards. But uh, we had some big news over last week too that we haven't touched on the podcast yet. I know you guys talked about it on locker room, and I haven't got to bite this apple too about. Um, that the top of this order, the top 10 of the NFL drafts has been completely shaken up. San Francisco is now at three. Miami originally traded down to about 12, and then they traded back up, swapping out with Philadelphia. Uh, Eagles fans are going psychotic, but I am more interested <laughs> to see. I'm, 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 I'm interested in what it's changed at the top, because I think we're all in consensus. San Francisco, you're moving up to get a quarterback. You're not moving up for a tackle. Come on. So yeah. it's going to be they, one three locked in for a quarterback. And I don't know what Miami's going to do. Yeah, that's that's a big question. It's one we we tried to answer on, on our locker room session. And if you didn't uh, hear that or you weren't part of it, definitely go back and listen to it. But um, it's it's interesting because they'll have a lot of different options and they have, you know, a lot of different holes. You know, the whole Tua talk is, has been a thing. And it seems like if you're trading out of that three spot, you're probably not that interested in grabbing a quarterback. So I wouldn't expect a quarterback to be there, but what if one unexpectedly drops? Maybe they're like, well, we didn't expect this to happen, but since it fell in our lap, maybe let's try it. And then, you know, they, they could certainly use a bunch of wider wide receivers or, or receiving threats, and they're probably going to have at least two or three available for them there at, at six. 
offensive line is is definitely a need so they could take a tackle i mean maybe that's just it maybe they just knew there was going to be someone that they liked there at six it didn't really matter where specifically or maybe they were trying to jump the lines in which case uh that really has you you're kind of scratching your head what what they're trying to do yeah I, I think i think that's the key point jeremy is that you get miami who moves back ahead of detroit and we talked about this on the locker room podcast but the the needs kind of overlap a little bit so they they essentially get the the first pick of you know some of the skill position players that uh that would also be on the lions board um and you know that's really dependent upon too you know what what cincinnati does what atlanta does i think one of the most interesting things about this trade was something that didn't happen and that was how philadelphia wanted to move up to three because they were interested in getting zach wilson and they kind of got rebuffed by you know the jets essentially kind of saying like no like we're we're gonna take zach wilson so it's like all right well i guess we're not gonna move up to get a quarterback but then kyle shanahan right rides in on his white horse and we're talking about things like mac jones and, and stuff now so um i you know it, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Are, are there going to be, as as Schefter mentioned earlier in in the, in the off season, are there going to be four quarterbacks that go in the top five, or could there potentially even could there be like five quarterbacks going like the top seven picks? It, uh, it's, it's wild. There'd have to be a few more trades for that. The way I will right. see that happening is here's my other thing that I was thinking about when it came to this, because yes, Miami jumping back up to six lets them choose. Assuming Atlanta doesn't Atlanta is the only other team in the top five that I could see taking a quarterback. I don't think they will. I think they're going to be locked in with Matt Ryan until a lot of the money comes off his contract. But I think after that, like if you're at six, you st- and you're assuming Atlanta and, and, uh, and, Cincinnati ahead of you are rational teams. You're still going to have your option of Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, or Panini Sewell. Like those, like what I I described. You called him Panini. (laughs) Sorry, that made me. (laughs) Panay Sewell. I I think that might stick now, especially the Lions draft. I'll call him Panini. Excuse me, Panay Sewell. Either way, you get your pick from one of those three. One of those three is going to be still on the board. And that's a damn good pick regardless, especially for a team who wants to build around. If you are going to build around Tua, maybe you're interested in one of the Alabama wide receivers who would, you know, fit in perfectly with Tua for for familiarity. Or and here's the other possibility. Miami could trade back down. They're kind of in the same spot right now that I think Detroit last week was in at seven and that, hey, if you want a quarterback, you want to jump. You want to jump uh, Carolina? You're going to have to trade with us. Miami's kind of stolen that thunder a little bit from, from Detroit. And depending on what San Francisco do does, if suddenly Justin Fields or Mac Jones could be a pick for a Kyle Shanahan offense, uh, that shakes things up if someone's in love with the idea of Trey Lance. So it there, there's I, I could see... It, it sucks a little bit if you're a Lions fan because I feel like Miami's stolen a bit of that driver's seat thunder from, from Detroit. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a fair way to put it because yeah, I mean, we've seen that the, the dolphins have no issues trading in, trading out, trading up, down, whatever. And yeah, I I think if one of those unexpected top four quarterbacks falls all the way to six, which I think is is certainly possible. And I'll, I'll get to why in the second segment here, um, I really think they wouldn't hesitate. And, and you think, 
there, there's teams looking to jump the Panthers, right? The Panthers are obviously a team that that thinks that everyone thinks is going to be quarterback hungry. Well, first first team you probably call is the Lions, but let's say you're worried that some team is already called the Lions and they're waiting to jump the the Panthers and and with the Lions. Well, then you trade, you go up another spot and you say, hey. Maybe maybe I need to get there a little quicker. Maybe if it falls to five, I got to start calling the Dolphins because someone's going to get a little itchy. And and yeah, I think you're right. They they may have stolen the thunder. They have so many different places they can go, and they have so many draft picks that they have in this draft and next draft where they don't need to jump to any conclusions. They don't need to jump and attack one need this year because they have so many draft picks. And so yeah, I, th- I think you're right. This uh, it's kind of a bummer for the trade down crowd. I still think there are avenues in which the lines do trade down, but um, this certainly impacts that, I would say. It does, because of the quarterback shuffle that happened, right? And when, when you slot three quarterbacks to go in the top three, as we're all expecting things to happen, then now all of a sudden it becomes, whether, whether or not it's Justin Fields or it's Trey Lance or it's Mac Jones, two of those three guys are going to be available. <clears throat> if Atlanta doesn't take a quarterback... Well, now all of a sudden, maybe the Lions are sitting there at seven and they they might be able to get a quarterback themselves because we don't think Miami's going to take one and Cincinnati's out of the running. So I, I, I think two things can happen. One, maybe the Lions might have a chance to take their developmental quarterback or two, the Lions still have a chance to move back. So I don't know. It, it does take a little bit of the wind out of your sails, but um, it at least we're it's funny because the draft is happening way before it's happening yeah it's, it's literally yeah. a month away from today yeah, it feels like That's, we're locking in one to five solid and then after that the draft starts <laughs> at least one to three like yeah. and and even three we don't know the person exactly we only know the position right well i i mean that i feel like regardless of what happens one to three Atlanta and Cincinnati, they're going to take one of that one of those uh, one of the trio of Pitts, Sewell and Chase. Maybe, but I'm not locking any of those in. OK, unless unless Kyle Shanahan decided to move up to three to get Kyle Pitts to just unleash <laughs> havoc it. on the NFL. George Stop Kittle and Kyle, Kyle Pitts. Pitts. Stop it. The best tight ends ever. And, and Kyle, Kyle Juice check like that is just a ridiculous Oh my god. All right. Big catcher. All right. <laughs> so next segment, we're gonna be doing a list cast of our top five realistic options for the uh for the Lions at seven, what we think and the guys we like. It's kind of our transition into draft talk. But real quick before we go there, we turned it over to the news desk with Jeremy because there was a Dan Campbell press conference. There was two two bit of two bits of note. Uh, of notes that we can take out of there. And I think we can spell both players with the same set of three letters. So um, <laughs> sure. do, who do you want to talk about? Tavai or Vitae? See, I told you uh, three letters. Yeah. You know what? Let's, let's start with the crowd pleasing news, which is, is definitely the uh, Jelani Tavai slight by Dan Campbell, whether it was intentional I don't think or it not. Was. Yeah. But um, go on. But yeah, so he was asked to assess the linebacker room given, you know, the the changes that they've made so far, which was basically they got rid of a whole bunch of guys. They re-signed Jalen Reeves, Maven, and they brought in Alex Anzalone. And he talked at length about a couple of those guys. He talked about Reeves, Maven. He forgot his name for a second, but he th- talked about Reeves, Maven, how he was a good special teamer. They they looked back at his 2019 film and it was it was good. And and they think maybe he can contribute on defense. Talked about um, Jamie Collins. They restructured his contract and how he you know projects to be a starter probably. And then. He got he kept talking 
And we're, we're all just kind of sitting there waiting for him to address Jelani Tavai. And you know who he got to before Jelani Tavai? Someone named Sean Dion Hamilton, a guy what? that I have to imagine most people didn't even know was on the Detroit Lions defense. Um, a guy that they signed to a futures contract, a guy who who actually has an okay career, and especially when it comes to um, coverage. But then he gets to Jelani Tavai, and here's verbatim what he had to say about Jelani Tavai. We've got Tavai. He's another one that was part of this draft class a couple of years ago. <laughs> that's it. That, that, I'm checking my notes. That's it. That's no it. lies detected. No that, lies detected. Jelani Tavai also on the roster. Yep. Okay. Interesting. So, I mean, I, I, again, you don't want to read too much into off-the-cuff comments. Maybe a guy just slips your, your mind, and, and that, that happens. I've certainly forgotten a player here and there, and, and it doesn't mean I don't like them or they're bad or anything like that. But when you combine it with the fact that this is a guy who just does not have any of the traits this team is looking for right now in defenders, and really anywhere on the team, they're looking for speed. They're li- looking for big athletes who, who can run and Jelani Tavai just isn't that. So I don't think it's completely out of the realm of possibility that this guy's cut at some point. It's not going to be now. There's no point in doing it now. But I, I think when it comes to roster cuts, I'm not penciling in Jelani Tavai as part of the 53-man roster. I'm just not. Yeah, you shouldn't pencil in Jelani Tavai to really do anything. Um, ah, poor guy. It sucks. Poor guy. He <laughs> yeah. didn't. He didn't. He didn't ask for this. He didn't no. ask to be the second round pick by Bob Quinn. He didn't. He didn't ask for any of this. And yeah, it's it's unfortunate, but it's just another one of the signs of the lumps that the Lions have to take in year one of a rebuild. Right. I mean, yeah. there there are some players that just aren't going to aren't going to make the cut because they they fit a different scheme. So, and then there was another player today too, right? Well, before that, just real quick on Tavai, I I do agree with Jeremy in that I, I just feel like someone in chat just pointed this out. Like Dan, it feels like Dan was just kind of going through all the new guys and kept going to trying to list, then just kept going. Was trying to list the linebacker core and just Tavai yeah. skipped his name. Which I mean, I get that, and he and Campbell is not the most buttoned up press conference guy. Wow, spoiler alert: news at eleven. But at the same time, it is kind of bad if your head coach doesn't know the roster by the back of his hand too. So I don't know. Like, yeah, it's or it doesn't. Ridiculous. It doesn't tell well about you. We'll just say yeah. that. But I mean, just try to. Get, I mean, try to see if you can get a sixth out of the Giants. They seem to like our players a lot. Yeah, seriously. Uh, Vitai. Yeah. So um, again, kind of a, a weird bout of honesty from the 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 front office here which i'm i'm still not completely used to but um i think it was burkett asked him you know what what are your thoughts on vitae is he your guard is he a tackle and he's like well you know nothing set in stone but the way the way we see it we're intrigued that's the word he used we're intrigued moving him inside to guard which is where he mostly played last year although he was certainly signed at the time to play tackle last year so it looks like he's probably going to play guard. They'll obviously play it out. And, and he even said, you know, some of it depends on what we do in free agency. Some of it depends on what we do in the draft. But if he's at guard, that means Lions four starting positions are set. And right tackle is the biggest question, which means I think offensive tackle is very, very, very much in play at the top of this draft and throughout the draft. I agree. Uh, I don't know if they'll be able to target one in the first round unless they're trading down and going for someone later, like maybe uh, why is uh, like maybe Rashawn Slater, although mm-hmm. I think he, uh, or but 
I, I think it's more of a day two pick. I, I think we could probably see it in the second round. And I think that's where a lot more of the linemen will go. Offensive linemen will go then. But uh, yeah, I think that's, I think they've basically told you like, we're going to draft a tackle. Be ready. I miss Graham Glasgow. Oh, <laughs> Aww, that hurt. Yeah. I mean, it, it was a bad, the Vitae signing was a bad signing when it was done. And it continues to be a bad signing for a guy that you paid tackle money. Now he's playing guard. But here's another thing to consider, too. You know, the last regime obviously didn't prioritize or care about guards. So, I mean, maybe this maybe this uh, regime treats them a little bit differently. And, you know, doesn't doesn't spend their time rotating them in and out. That would be the ideal. That would be like the base level I'm looking for is don't rotate linemen. As the great Lincoln Kennedy always says, don't don't move us around, man. We're comfy where we are. All right. We're way overdue. I'm going to take a quick break. I want to read some questions from Twitch chat and from YouTube chat. When we come back, we're getting into list cast. We haven't done one in a while, and it's part of our draft series of list cast. And me, Jeremy and Ryan are going to go around. We're going to give you our top Five realistic at seven. So no trade downs, no trade ups, no manipulating a draft to make sure that Sewell somehow falls down or that the, or that Trevor Lawrence isn't taken by by the Jags or something. Best at seven. So we'll be right back on the Friday Detroit POD cast. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, one. All right, let's start our list cast. List cast time, baby. It's good again. We're back bringing you the list cast, part of the Pride of Detroit POD cast, probably one of our favorite segments, even though it's just list radio remade into a podcast format, which makes it about as annoying. But guess what? It's 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 for us. It's for us to you. And we have fun with it. But we're going to start off this year's uh, part of list cast. I think we had one earlier this year, actually. So it's technically our second list cast. But we're going to start our list cast off for this month with talking about the draft, and we're talking about realistic options at number seven. 
in the draft. We've talked about some of our favorites. We've talked about the possibilities of trading down or trading up. And I think there's going to be a future POD cast that we're going to devote specifically to options for the Lions for trading down. But this one, we're assuming the Lions are standing pat at seven. We're assuming nothing crazy is going on, although I think there's a couple of outside scenarios that I know Jeremy wants to pound the table for. Um, but we're going to give you our top five. So in this segment, we'll do five and four. Before we start, um, before we get to your guys' picks, are there any positions that you prioritize, any that you take off the board entirely? Are you are you completely off about quarterback? Or what? what's your thought process going into this? Me, this is almost just a listing of the big board for me of, of players that I think will would be there or could be there because I, I, I'm not taking any sort of positions off the board. It's simply just talent and value. That's what, when you have a top 10 pick, you need to get value, period. I don't care about position um, <clears throat> other than the natural value that comes with a position. I'm just trying to get talented guys that'll bring immediately immediate value to your team. So for me, it, it I'm not I'm not like saying you know what this team doesn't need an offensive tackle. This team doesn't need a tight end. Wink, wink. Um, this team doesn't need a quarterback right away. Everything's on the table here, and I think everything should be on the table for the Lions. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. It's it's interesting because I think we were kind of ramping up to this point by this time. You know, last year it's like. Are the Lions maybe potentially thinking about the future? Are, are they willing to go quarterback? And it didn't make sense for the last regime. It'd be interesting to see how things, how the board would have fallen if there was a different regime in place, yeah. if, if they would have prioritized maybe grabbing, you know, Herbert or Tua or, you know, whoever they may have, they may have chosen there at three. But this year, it seems like literally any position is on the board. That would have been a cursed list cast. What would the Boston boys do for the 2020 draft? In part because I think they would have just cut Stafford or something. They would have done something stupid. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, for me, it's I, I think we're going to have a lot of the same picks for a lot of these, especially after five. It's just a matter of order, I think, is what's going to be more important to see no, who, uh, no who prioritizes. Yeah, because I think we all I mean, for the past month, we've been all circling the same names as guys who we think are going to be there. The question is, I mean, the, their problem lines are probably going to have three, four of these guys available to them. Who are the, who are they going to prioritize? So they're mm-hmm. they're going to have to create a list cast of their own. Um, they call it big boards, um, but but they're really bliss casts. But they're, they're list casts. They're list casts for the rest of us. So let's start. Let's start at number five, and we'll start with Jeremy. Um, all right. First, I'm going to say a six because I, I need to humor okay, Ryan. Okay, just, miss, just missed your cut. Just missed your cut. Kyle Pitts is, is my six. Just missed the cut. I think he'll probably be there, um, but I, I watch him Kyle Pitts tape, and I get it. I get it. I get it. But he's not making my list. Number five is Jalen Waddell. Um, wide receiver out of Alabama, obviously dealt with injuries last year. Um, but dude can separate. Dude is a big play machine. Dude's got hands. I think he's got one of the best hands in a uh, set of hands. I should say not just one hand um, in, in the business here. Um, wide receiver is obviously a huge need. This is, this would kind of lock that position up for the next at least four years. You hope it well beyond that, but um, I like him a lot as a prospect. He, he, he isn't at the top of my wide receiver big board here, but 
Um, the, the one thing that, that is going to be a common theme for me is I'm going to be happy over all these guys. And if the lines pick out any of these guys, you're going to see a smile on my face. Everything is so close here that I'm only nitpicking between guys here. And, and it's something the lines are going to have to do, but uh, it's not, not going to be an easy task. All right, yeah. Ryan. All right. Um, to kick things off, uh, I, I kind of took a little bit of a different approach uh, than Jeremy did because I, I wouldn't be too thrilled with um, my number five. Um, <clears throat> that, that's Devonta Smith. And I have concerns about Devonta Smith. And I think that um, a, a former Pride of Detroit uh, employee uh, best stated it uh early on this year um he had a twitter thread that was pretty revealing and um it, it was interesting to to say the least but um kent lee platty um math bomb as you know him on twitter he said that there were 2500 wide receivers in the ras database with height and weight recorded over 2100 from 20 or from 2000 to 2020 of those only 27 were six feet or taller and under 180 pounds of those only one receiver since 2000 with those measurements broke 750 yards in a single season. That guy's name is Nate Washington. Devonta Smith is a guy who his only con is his weight and whether or not he'll be able to stand an NFL test and I will say one thing. If that's the only thing that people are worried about, maybe that's the good thing. And uh, that's why, you know, at five for me, like I, I would I would not I would not be super high on the idea of having Devonta Smith. But there there could be worse things that could happen. Fair enough. I'm going to have more to say about that when when he's on my list, because he spoiler alert, he's on my list as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'll save some thoughts there, too. Um but for me at five, I, I want to say a guy who's not going to appear on my list. He might appear on your guys's list, but um, I've had some conversations about him lately. Um, and I might be taking off my rational hat by talking about this. But given my personal history and given uh, what I've said about this particular topic in the past, um, Micah Parsons is not on my list. He will never be on my list. What I what he's accused of doing at Penn State is reprehensible of the highest order. And I'm not just saying that to be like a scold, like it offends me as a human being. Um, and on the side of trying to be pragmatic, it would betray everything Lions have talked about when it comes to building a better locker room culture and trying to, you know, have everyone working on a more positive note. So and uh, and from from the from the stat from the from the other side of it, like an off ball linebacker. And I mean, I know he could probably do more than that, but I just don't think given the other options here and with my own personal disgust at the idea of what his past holds, that Micah Parsons will appear on my list. I know I'm going to sound like a scold. I know people are going to be like, oh, get over it, Chris. Um, I will not get over it. I won't. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, number five for me then is going outside. Cause I have some issues on some of the other receivers out on some of the receivers. Like I, I share a little, the concern on Smith, although I know Waddle's only about like 10 pounds heavier, I believe. So yeah, he's also much shorter. Yeah, he's yeah, he's much shorter. Uh, but this would be an interesting one just because like we talked, I know we talked in the past about pits, how we could really test lions fans. If you draft another tight end, 
However, I'm going to make a case for Caleb Fairley, that cornerback, because I think we talked about it before on what a state the Lions defensive backfield looks like right now. Um, it would be a bit of a luxury pick. Something would have had to happen where you're off on a lot like Sewell's off the board. Pitts is off the board. Some uh, chases off the board and, uh, and the other wide receivers are just not high on. But. Depending what happens with Okuda, you might want to st- still invest another cornerback. And if, even if Okuda pans out, um, like you need a second one. <laughs> yeah, you, you're going to you need a field at least at least two. Some now it's now sometimes three. So I could make the case for and fairly. I know he had he uh, what was the procedure? He just had a disectomy um, on the S1, which is really from so my previous injury. Surgery, which was, right. Yeah. Yeah. He, he had it. He had an injury when he deadlifted. He herniated. Um, he, he, he had some sort of injury on his I he, He's giving I'm reading this quote, but he's giving like S1 L5. I'm not a I'm not a back uh, surgery. Just back I'm surgery. not a back surgeon. Yeah. Just either way, surgery. either way, I don't think about that too much. And he's he's legitimate backfield talent. I think I think some people are off him because of the injury, but uh, I, I totally see him as a top seven t- talent. Want me to go with my number four? Yeah, let's go. <clears throat> let's go to number four. Devontae Smith. Um, I had a, a conversation with him about uh, Devontae Smith after I watched some film uh, over the weekend. And obviously he shares all those same concerns that you have. And obviously he's a very analytical guy. So if there's a guy who would be against Devontae Smith, he'd be your guy, right? Like he knows how much of a rarity it is for someone of his size and stature um, to to succeed in the NFL. And you know who Kent Lee Platty's number one receiver is in this year's draft class? It's still Devontae Smith. He's still <laughs> that much of a believer that he is the guy that breaks the mold. And it's hard to argue because he's already broken so many molds. How often does a wide receiver win the Heisman Trophy? That is a quarterback's game, my friend. It doesn't happen all that often. And so, I mean... He is he was the most exciting player to watch in football last year. He is one of the most talented skill um route runners that I've I've seen play. I I would be thrilled to have him. I I it, and and in terms of the the person you're getting, everyone everyone vouches for this guy as one of the hardest working guys, one of those humble guys that'll just work his butt off and 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 he's going to have a tremendous chip on his shoulder and and Dan Campbell was saying today, a, a bunch of the free agencies, free agents they added this year, they they were searching for guys with chip on their soldiers, shoulders. And so I'm going to be rooting for this guy wherever he goes. And I, I, I kind of hope it's here in Detroit. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little the, the, there's two concerns I have for Devonta Smith. You brought up the Heisman, which is like, I mean, that's that's fantastic. But also Heisman's have not translated well into the NFL for various reasons. Although granted, sure. a lot of them have been because they're going to quarterbacks, right? Right. Meanwhile, you look at a running back who had a Heisman, and it's Derrick Henry. And um, hey, what's he been doing? <laughs> um, besides the size, um, I'm actually worried he might not be there at seven. I I think there is an outside chance that when you're looking uh, um, at Miami, we're talking about Miami who got back up to six. I mean, they could take Devonta Smith just because of that Alabama fil- familiarity between Tua and uh, and Alabama. Just you know, that might be there if they're not really in love with um, whoever's left out of uh, whoever's left after uh, you know uh, 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 Alab- uh, Cincinnati and um, Atlanta. You know, Atlanta, excuse me. Yeah, yeah sorry. 
Yeah. All right. Uh, my number four is Rashawn Slater. <clears throat> um, this is the guy that I think is the most likely to be there at seven if the Lions are going to go offensive line. Uh, I don't think that Sewell lasts this long just because he's clearly the the number one offensive line prospect. The thing that really intrigues me about Slater is, um, and this is interesting because I bring up size as something that kind of turns me off about Devonta Smith, but um the thing about Slater is him being six foot three. The question is whether or not teams would be willing to keep him out on the edge at the next level, or if he's going to move into guard, but either, either way, I think he's going to be, he's going to be a staple of anybody's offensive line. It, once he gets selected um, as a freshman, I mean, this is a guy he, he took 2020 off and you're going to see that with, you know, a few of the guys that are, you know, listed, you know, Sewell took 2020 off. Jamar chase took 2020 off. Slater did as well, but as a freshman, he was starting at right tackle. He put up one of the best grades as a as a right tackle. Eventually, he moved over to left tackle. One of the if if you're gonna watch anything related to Rashawn Slater, watch him line up against Chase Young, and he maybe had he had the best game that anybody had in 2019 versus Chase Young, bar none. So, if there's a guy that I would that I would be excited about at uh, at seven, the Lions going offensive line. Rashawn Slater seems like he would be like a quote unquote stretch, maybe, but I think that he's truly the the second best offensive lineman in in the draft. So my number four might be a little bit of a stretch, and we might be getting weird, and maybe I like overthought this a little bit just because um, maybe I'm not in love with you know Smith and. Uh, Smith and Waddle as much, but uh, going down a little bit and maybe belying my need for an edge rusher. My four is Quiddy Pay as a realistic option out of Michigan. Um, I know the tape is a little choppy. However, the man is as explosive as you can ask for. And I know he impressed very well at the pro day. Uh, he looks to be what could be like you've got Oquara once again, but you need another defensive end and if the lions want to start re rejiggering their their defensive line to go from you know we want to stop the run first to we want to get after the quarterback first can't do much worse than quitty pay i hope you mean much better yes that's what i mean excuse me <laughs> i'm sorry i'm stum- i'm stumbling a bit oh, no, here we're it's taking the worst guy in the draft no no, the, no i no. mean it, it does You're seem like a guy. bit Go of ahead. a reach. Like this would be a yeah. great trade down option, right? If the Lions yeah. trade down with the Patriots and, and get the 15th pick, Quiddy Pay, I think is excellent value there. I don't and, think and he lasts until 15. That's the thing. I mean, we're all just guessing at this point. I can say you're crazy, but I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. I, if, if you look at if you look at draft boards of, of the draft network and PFF, then then yeah, he will be there at 15. But what do they know? Like we we get surprises all the time. Maybe someone falls in love with Quiddy Pay and he goes six. You know, you just don't know. Um, so I, I, I don't I'm not going to, you know, crap on that pick. I think I think it's possible. But um, just based on on what I'm thinking, I, I, I see these top 10 guys as just kind of a different level. And and if the lines were to pass, I think, on on a top receiving option for Quiddy Pay, even though he's a Michigan man, I'd be slightly disappointed. So like I well, getting into our top three, like if they pass on Pitts or Chase, yes, absolutely. I agree there. But again, like we were, we talked about the issues with with Smith and I I'm not completely sold on Waddle being a top 10 pick. So like. 
I, I don't know. I, I, I feel for myself, it's a little more open than just wide receiver when it comes to if you, when it comes to number seven. There, there was no way that Cullen Farrell was going to go ahead of Josh Allen, right. and then all of a sudden, boom, he's a fourth <laughs> pick in the draft. So, yep, <laughs> yep, absolutely. All right, uh, let's take a quick break, and we come back on the other side. We're going to do three, two, and one snake order. Wind it down there. Uh, so, real quick, we're going to take that break. Be right back to do the other half of this on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast and doing the second half of our top five list cast for most realistic needs for the Lions at number seven. And I think so far we have had, uh, I know for myself, I've had Caleb Fairley and Quiddy Pay. Jeremy, I believe you had Jalen Waddle at five, Devontae Smith at four. So you've been Alabama wide receivers, Ryan, you're four and five. Uh, Devonta Smith at five and Northwestern's Rashawn Slater, offensive lineman. All right. Very good. And now we move into the big three, which I think there's not. It's going to this is more about order here, I think. So, uh, Ryan, it's been Jeremy to start off. So, Ryan, you get to lead us off now at three. All right. Well, it's a name that we've already said, um, so we're not going to spend too much time on it. But Jalen Waddle. Um, I'm I'm interested in, in in him from the you know perspective that he is like the total package like he's an elite deep threat, um, but he's he's more than that. Um, I think that lining him up in the slot is something that can be absolutely devastating. Um, he, uh, he he's got speed, you know he uh, he gets off the line of scrimmage in a hurry. He's um, you know, he's somebody who I think is probably one of the best all around athletes in the class. Um, it's just one of those things where it's like, does he have enough experience? Um, that kind of remains to be seen. But um, I I definitely have a preference and it's and it's Waddle over Smith. Fair enough. Uh, my number three, my number three is probably going to be it is going to be number three. It's going to be Kyle Pitts. Um. I know we all fall in love with the idea of just transforming Pitts right into a uh, wide receiver. I, it just doesn't work like that. However, I'm not going to be mad if the Lions take Pitts. He's good. He's really damn good. I don't know if he'll really be there is the big thing. But I think, again, we talk about this idea that Chase Pitts and uh, and Sewell are going to all come off the board first. I it's probably why I downgraded a bit because I just don't know if Pitts is going to be there. Uh, but if he is, you, you might give up some interesting options over him to go and get him. But uh, I I'm, I'm not going to poo poo on it. Jeremy, my number three, and maybe this is cheating a little bit, but it's a quarterback. If one of the top four is available. And hmm. I think, I think there's a chance. I Hold do on, think who, who are chance. you, who are you listing as your top four? Because we've got five in play right now. 
No, Mac Jones is not is not number is not a top Listen, five. Man, I I know you don't think that, but I think NFL people well, yes. disagree with you. Well, no, and and that's and that's to me why the scenario here is is I think in play because we we've talked or we've heard the 49ers might be interested in Mac Jones, and if that's the case, then you're talking about Trey Lance and uh and Ohio State. Uh, yeah, Fields yeah, still Fields. being out there after you pass that top three, and so two quarterbacks available. Who knows what happens after that? You know, the Falcons, I'm with you. I don't think they take a quarterback. They they restructured uh, Matt Ryan's deal so that they can't get rid of him in, in the next two years. So I don't think they're going quarterback, which means now you're at five with two of those guys potentially still being on the board. Bengals aren't going to take one. They got a quarterback. And so if there's no trades, that's a clear path for the Lions potentially landing one of these top two quarterbacks. And honestly, I don't care which one it is. Uh, at, gun, at this gun point, to your I'll head, gun to your head, two. gun to your head. Which one? Come on. Even if it's just a slight edge, I, I'm 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 too excited by Trey Lance. I, I just am like he he's he's got some crazy athletic skills that if 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 it happens, it's a project. It's a perfect fit. He can sit for a year or two behind golf. I'll take it but I wouldn't be upset with Justin Fields. And I know people are going to be like, well, the whole point in drafting a rookie quarterback is to have him on that cheap rookie deal and, and get production out of there. You're not going to win games with a rookie. You're, it, it's very rare that a team goes far in those first couple of years of, of a rookie quarterback anyway. So why don't you just kind of have him develop for two years and maybe in year three, he's ready to hit the ground running and, and take this team to the playoffs or even further. So I, I'm not, I'm not averse to the Lions taking a quarterback in, in the first round. And if one of those top four guys is there, I think the Lions should do it. I really do. I, I mean, may, not as much as maybe if these other top two guys that I have are there, but quarterback needs to be part of this conversation still. And I think people are starting to ignore it because of the, the golf restructure, because of some of the trades that have already happened. I still think there's a chance that a top four quarterback is there. And if he is, the Lions better consider it. Yeah, that's something I didn't really factor in, Jeremy. Um, but I would, I'm, I'm right there, lock and step with you. I would actually prefer Fields because this is a guy that I think everybody was like penciling in as the number two quarterback, and then all of a sudden they got their, you know, underwear twisted up over a 2020, you know, COVID season. So, um, yeah. I mean, Fields was the top recruit even ahead of Trevor Trevor Lawrence, um, and I mean, he's he's done nothing but show that he has like all the tools. To, to be a successful quarterback. So I'm I'm really high on fields. If he's available somehow at seven, I almost would say that he would trump all of the guys that I have listed on my top five list. Yeah, I, I like that too. I just I I I'm not completely sold like in the sense that I feel that I don't know. I, I want to see next year's class. And also I'm just not that down on Mac Jones as much. I don't I I know you guys would probably skip him if he was the one there at seven, but I think for a lot of teams, like it's it's like, okay, it's an Alabama for, for a lot of us. It's like, okay, he has an Alabama quarterback. He had a lot of talents around him. But as I said, I think a lot of NFL teams look at that and say, yeah, we're going to have a good offensive line around you, too. Yeah, I think I think the, the thing that bugs people about Mac Jones the most is is just the lack of mobility, right? Like he's not one of these crazy hybrid guys that can run and make plays with his feet as much. But if, if you That's I mean, and again, the NFL. <laughs> But it, it's becoming a problem, right? Like the, yes. there's definitely a trend towards the more mobile quarterbacks now. It's what gets people excited. The and and 
we all know who started it, right? Like, well, I would argue that Aaron Rodgers probably kind of started it, but um, certainly Patrick Mahomes uh, excelled at it more than anyone else. And now you got Lamar Jackson and and Deshaun Watson. And, and so that's where people are going. That's what people are getting excited about. The, the game is getting faster again. And so they want fast quarterbacks and, and Mac Jones just doesn't have that. But I do. Th- I will say that I think people are poo-pooing on him a little bit too much. Yeah, I think he's, like, a, he's got a better arm than I think most people give him credit for. His accuracy was phenomenal, and at Alabama, I think it's it's one of I think he's he's a top three quarterback in terms of just pure accuracy. So um, he he'll be in the conversation, but he's not the guy I'm looking for. I'll just say this: if this was like ten years ago, I think Mac Jones would probably be the second quarterback off the board. Do you agree with that assessment, at least, or no? I would agree with it from the aspect that Jeremy totally, totally just like exempted Michael Vick. Michael Vick crawled so that all these quarterbacks okay. could run. So okay, <laughs> but but it didn't start a trend, right? Like or maybe he maybe he tried, but maybe other NFL teams tried, but like there was no one like Mike Vick for a decade. I think when you start talking about like the Aaron Rodgers of the world, these are the guys who like can operate in the pocket, but they can also do something with their feet. They're not statues right. like Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or right. Drew Brees. Yeah. Yeah. Those are all good names to be statues. I'm just going to say people. If that's the, the knock on, and if that's the knock on Mac Jones, he's a statue. He's got good company. People in the chat now, now bringing up Randall Cunningham guys. I wasn't saying any of those guys was the first to do it. I'm saying started a trend that we're seeing now in the NFL. Yeah. Bobby Lane. Lane. Bobby Lane. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's move on to number two before we just completely lose our minds now. Um, Number two for me, and I, I think it's, I think for me, it is, um, this one's going to take some creative, creative math to get him to land here. But I, number two for me is Panay Sewell. We talked a little bit about, um, we talked a little bit about, you know, how this top of this draft could be shaken up. Um, realistically, I don't know. I think his I think compared to some of these again, I think Jeremy talked about a little bit earlier, the the top of this draft is suddenly becoming a lot more quarterback heavy. We could. And if someone jumps, jumps Detroit to take Miami's pick and picks a quarterback, then if only I I could I could see it that it would get down there. It's like, okay, Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts are off the board. So we'll still here. What do you want to do? I I want him. I. I just I don't see the Cincinnati Bengals passing on him at all whatsoever. Their franchise quarterback just had an ACL injury. That, yeah. That's certainly the biggest hurdle. But, you know, I, I was looking at at our buddy Joe Goodberry, uh, who joined our podcast to talk about Marvin Lewis way back when um, he's he's full on getting him weapons. He thinks the, the value of offensive line is in the second round. And and there are a lot of people, I think, in, in Cincy that feel that way, too. And I think. They, they certainly could use the weapons. You know, the A.J. Green era is, is essentially over. And so they're, they're looking for some weapons there. And I wouldn't be surprised to, to see them. And yeah, Jamar Chase, right? That I, th- I think we've already heard some rumors of, of, of Joe Burrow trying to get Jamar Chase there. And that would make a lot of sense, too, for them, I think. I could also see yeah. them taking pits. As much as I know it would hurt Ryan. Um, you want to talk about, hey, you want to get him some protection and a weapon? Kyle Pitts? It wouldn't hurt me because I know that young man would fly in Cincy. He would 
he would absolutely be just a dynamite. Not much flies. <laughs> in not, not a long drive flies. for you to go watch it too. So yeah, that's like right. three hours, four hours. <laughs> go hang out with my buddy Andy Furman, and then he could just you become his pen pal. Yeah, I mean it's interesting that Cincy people want, you know, to to you know smash the case on a shiny new receiver. That I mean, it's not like they haven't drafted somebody like I don't know John Ross recently. <laughs> All right, let's move. Uh, so that's number three. That was your number two. two. That was, that was your my two. number two. Okay, okay. Just making sure because we got lost in the weeds there. Uh, Ryan, give me your number two. Jamar Chase. I like him. I like him a lot. He's he's my number one wide receiver. And again, a guy who didn't play in 2020 only really had like one super uber productive season. And it just so happened to coincide with, you know, the previously mentioned Joe Burrow and his um, and his incredible season that he had where he won the Heisman. But the thing I like about Jamar Chase is that he is just. he He's the whole package like he's he's six one, he's 200 pounds, he breaks tackles. I mean, if this is if this is something that we've missed since Golden Tate, um, you know, he as PFF says, you know, he plays like a grown man and uh, he and he's shown that after the catch where he, he's broken 22 tackles. So, I mean, this is a guy who's like consistently gone up against and, and this is something that I think that I always have to keep in mind. But like he's gone against SEC talent, like he's played against the cornerbacks like the AJ Terrells of the world and he's played against the Trevon Diggs of the world. He's somebody who can get it done deep. He's somebody who can get it done in the intermediate. I, I think that Jamar Chase is my number one wide receiver in, in the draft class. And um, he's almost kind of like my 1B to my 1A. We all know who your 1A is. or Anyone who's paying attention knows who your 1A is. But Jamar Chase is also my number two. And I agree with everything you said. The one thing I want to add, and, and I mentioned it during the locker room, is there's this notion out here that Jamar Chase isn't fast. He can't separate. And I think part of the issue is that people are watching the tape against these great SEC corners and thinking, oh, these are just college scrubs. They're not. These are fast guys that you're going to see on Sundays if you aren't already. Um, Jamar Chase, you're you're right. Complete package, speed, size, physicality. And, and that's the thing. Like a lot of these other guys, and I'm not going to try to take anything away from Devontae Smith or, or J- Jalen Waddell. Those guys are separators. Those guys are speed guys that, that are your big home run threats. I'm, I, I still have questions about their, their ability to kind of hit those 5, 10, 15-yard passes underneath, which we all know is what Jared Goff probably is best at doing. Yep. Jamar Chase is that dude. Jamar Chase is that dude, and I would be thrilled to have him. And I'm not worried about the separation. I'm not worried about the speed, anything like that. I mean, the dude is fast. The dude is not Kenny Galladay. I've seen a lot of people throw, he's Kenny Galladay. The line, he's much, much faster than Kenny Galladay. He's better. He really is. And he's better. And Kenny Galladay is arguably a top 10 receiver, so screw you. Um, no, Jamar Chase, my number two, would be a fantastic pick. All right, let's go snake order. Let's get to your number one. Um, Penny Asul. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, it, it doesn't... I think just the idea of having an offensive line set for the future is way too appealing for me. And, and yes, whatever you want with your offense at that point, like anything you want, you want to do Derek Henry out of the backfield, go ahead. You want to do play action, go ahead. You want to, you know, remember, get some long routes. Dominant the Dallas Cowboys were like five years ago when they had the best offensive line in in the league. They could do anything. They could literally do except, you know, you win a playoff game, but they could basically (laughs) do anything. Offense. And it gives you so many options, and yet you have to do some mental gymnastics to get in there at seven. But I think we we, we just 
discussed how that could possibly happen. And I think it starts with, um, you know, someone falling in love with Mac Jones, probably. But I, I think it's possible. It, I'm, I'm probably cheating a little bit by, by putting him as my number one because I think a lot of people would, would have him high up there if he's there. But having your offensive line figured out and young and locked up for the future, I mean, everyone on that offensive line would be set for at least the next four years. Um, depending on how Vitae plays out. But as we said at the at the top, like he's probably your starting guard this year. And if he can show up, Lions got him locked up for another couple of years. And so that means they're set. When is when's the last time we've have we ever been able to say the offensive line is literally set? Never. No. Never. And, and you're and seeing that with be, more and then just buy all the DeAndre Swift stock you can after that. You're seeing more and more teams investing very heavily into their offensive lines as well. Like, I mean, it was already the unspoken rule that you just keep your offensive lines around. But teams are teams are really like 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 San Francisco has a great offensive line. Like this is this is not hard. This is this is kind of the way you you do it. And why did the Kansas City not win the Super Bowl and Tampa Bay did offensive lines? The the only the only issue I would have with this is is it would kind of like well okay so are you drafting a left tackle and playing him at right tackle, and and that's something so a cross you'd have to bear. It, mm-hmm. I I think I'm fine. We we talked about it a little bit on the locker room. I'm fine with him starting at right tackle for for this year, maybe next year, and and also the good news is hey if Taylor Decker gets hurt, throw him over at left tackle because he's pretty good at that. We we've established that he's pretty good at left tackle. And then you got your swing tackle in, in Tyrell Crosby to come over at right tackle, and you're still pretty good there. So I just think it makes too much sense. I'm I'm too excited about having a good offensive line of the future. Give me Panay Sewell if he's there. Panini Sewell. Panini Sewell. Yep. Ryan, we know who you want. And I'm going yeah, to just, I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you a uh, gift. I re- I agree with you. He's you my number one. Me? He's my number one as well. Wow. All right. We we've got a we've got two stops at the pit stop. <laughs> Put me down for the pit stops. I'm a believer at this point. I am a believer. I I've I've seen the light. You're you are right. I think he is more likely to be there than Jamar Chase. I think Chase is off the if if Chase isn't off the board between Cincinnati, Miami, and 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 Atlanta, then something's gone completely wrong. I think Pitts is the more realistic option. And that's that's what it comes down to between Chase and Pitts is about what's more realistic. I think Pitts is the more realistic option. And I, I'm gonna leave the rest of the floor to you because you want I want you to just to you, you want to proselytize. Give it give it out. Give it to me. Yeah. Sure. Let me hit this home because Kyle Pitts is without a doubt the best skill position player in this draft. Without a doubt, without a doubt, without a doubt, <laughs> without a doubt, let like and let, let's take things into account for the Detroit Lions, right? Kyle Pitts is 20 years old. You know, you want a guy who's going to be a part of a rebuild. Go and get go and get the guy who's 20 years old and was, again, playing SEC competition. And the biggest knock on him is, well, he's a tight end. It's it's easy. to How, how are you going to take a tight end that early in the draft? OK, been there, done that a couple of times. Okay, but let's let's say let's 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 put this out there. Kyle Pitts is more of a jumbo wideout than he is a tight end. Okay, he can develop that skill set. But guess what? The Lions have finally the Lions have the luxury of taking a guy like that 
um, because they have a more traditional inline tight end in not only TJ Hawkinson, but obviously in Josh Hill as well. So the stat that I absolutely love, because I think the one thing, I mean, look at, look at any of the tape that people have cut up of him in the red zone. I mean, that guy has absolute just hands. He can just catch anything that's in front of him. Their thing is, well, he doesn't have like out of this world speed. He can separate against the highest level of corners because, as Jeremy mentioned, he's not playing scrubs in the SEC. PFF had him down as he averaged 4.91 yards per route versus man coverage this year. That was the third highest of any player in the country and more than two yards against any other tight end. So this guy, he just gets it done. He is an offensive weapon. Just because he's a tight end, that shouldn't just like immediately throw him off your board. Kyle Pitts, 2021. Come on. I, I want to hey, pull, the, I the wanna pull receipts from you last year when we were talking about TJ Hawkinson and positional value. It's different. Yeah. I, yeah. This is I, the pit I, stop, baby. <laughs> we're taking the pit stop here. We're at, we're at Daytona and we're taking the pit stop. This is also in Florida. I look, I think that Hawkinson's a different beast. As much as I like Hawkinson, I don't think I'm ever going to see Hawkinson run like a really fantastic seam route. I think if we get to Kyle Pitts, you're, you're going to have options open on the inside receiving game that the Lions haven't had before. And I, I think what won me over is I went back and I kept thinking about it. And I know I've ma- named this man a million times because. In the 2016 season, where was the Lions' greatest red zone threat? It was with Anquan Bolden in the slot. Like, Kyle Pitts on your inside receiving is going to score you touchdowns. He's going to get you first downs. You move the ball. You move the sticks. You get in the pit stop. He's going to be a great red zone player. When was the last time the Lions can say that? TJ Hawkins in 2021. Hey, hey, Jeremy, I need to ask you a quick question. Do you know how many passes Kyle Pitts dropped in 2020? <laughs> how many, Ryan? How many was it? Kyle Pitts and I dropped the same amount of passes in 2020. None. Zero. Zilch. Cool. Call so he's, he's, not he's not Eric Ebron. He's not Eric Ebron. That's, pit, not, that's not what the, I'm worried about. <laughs> the pit stop is comfortable, man. We got chairs. They're comfortable. We got refreshments. We got... We got mellow yellow. We got we got everything. <laughs> I'm riding high in the pit stop. Ride. Let's go. Here's Ride what I made me a believer. I appreciate you two trying to sell this so hard to just coddle the fan base for when it actually happens in a month that they'll maybe some of oh, them will absolutely. actually be on board. I know what's going to happen. I know people are going to invoke Pettigrew, Ebron, Hawkinson and be we like, got, what mean, the hell is with the lion? Our lions doing. But this is different, baby. Okay. So different. Yes, yes. The Lions' motto: this This is different. This time it's this different. Di- this time it's. Im- I mean, it will be fascinating though if the Lions do do this, and they are literally the only team in the past two decades to have drafted a, a tight end in the top ten, and they did it three times. That's insane. That's why I really want. I just want someone else to do it to see if if it can work outside of Detroit. A two tight end set: Ryan, Hawkinson, and and Pitts. Yeah, way, way to adopt. Do you need the, wideouts? 
Modern football, two tight ends. That's what I think of when I think of modern football. It's a new age, baby. You got to usher it in. No, put Josh Hill out there, too. He motions into the backfield. Dan, triple, three tight end set. Hmm. Hmm. Dan Campbell was a tight end. That's what I'm afraid of. That's what I'm really afraid of. (laughs) All right, let's get out of here. Okay, let's get out of here. Any more of this. Okay, okay. I promised you guys a surprise before this. We mentioned Mike Rothstein. And if you've listened to the POD cast long enough, you've known Mike Rothstein's been on us. He is a great, he's a great get every time we talk with him. He's very warm. He's very fuzzy. He lets us make fun of him. So before we say farewell to Mike going to Atlanta, he's going to join us one more time. Join us live on Twitch and YouTube on Wednesday. Do we have a time, Jeremy? We do. And I, what do we say? Seven, I believe. I want to, let me confirm seven or seven thirty ET. I know you posted in the Slack. Um, I believe seven, seven. Yep. 7 PM Eastern time, 7 PM Eastern time. Mike Rothstein, this will be our farewell podcast to Mike. Join us in there. Join us in there. We're going to say goodbye to Mike. Talk a little bit about the Lions. Talk a little bit about maybe about the Falcons and give him some ideas on what he can do in Atlanta. Report back on on some of the fine dining there. And uh, yeah. Give him a proper send off. Proper POD cast send off. And now we send you off. It's the great beyond here as we close with the Pride of Detroit POD cast for myself. Chris Perfett, for Jeremy Reisman, for Ryan Matthews. We're out of here. We'll see you next time. We'll see you starside. Kyle Pitts at seven. Pit stop. (laughs) 